Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 228. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to be back. Took a long hiatus. Long one. This was the longest break we've ever had. Indeed. Between recording. It, It felt weird. I didn't like it. I feel good to be back. That's okay with it. Right. I'm sure you were. But this, I'm sure like, you were. Like, this is weird. It's kind of through my through my day for a loop. I'm trying to yeah. work this in. <laughs> I don't know if people know this. I don't know if people know this, but I got shit to do. You know. You you always have. Kevin always has shit to do. I'm always doing stuff. You always have chores. I just gotta get that stuff in. Well, uh, the one of the reasons that we were on a hiatus. Well, the only reason is because I went off and got married. It was great. Went to Iceland, traveled around Europe for two and a half weeks, and it was awesome. But I'm back. I even got to see some movies. I'll get into that later. Oh boy. But I did get to see some movies on my trip. So uh, this this week on the show, we'll be talking about Joel Petroikis's new film, The Alchemist Cookbook, alongside The Greasy Strangler. Oh boy. Getting greasy. Getting real greasy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on VOD, Blu-ray releases. Thank you so much for coming back with us. For those of you that weathered this, the, the three-week break, welcome back. The three of you. For new listeners, welcome. Let's try this. A lot. Kinda, I think I'm going to be really rusty at this. I know. It feels weird. Like I, I feel like I'm off my game. Got to get back into the groove. But, uh, you know, we'll try. I'm sure it's going to be a shit show like, like normal. That's all right, because, I mean, we kind of left the bar low when we left. So Exactly. We be- well, uh, I, I would also like to issue an apology because the last episode that we did, for some reason, it used my headphone mic, like the built-in microphone on my headphones oh, awesome. as my recording mic. So my audio is awful. In addition to the terrible echo, which I still have and still apologize for, it was using my stupid headphone audio, so it sounded so bad. Oh, God. Anyway. Love it. Uh, there's a lot of news stuff that happened when I, when we were gone, but you know what? We're just going to dive into the reviews yeah. because I have a lot of stuff on my watch list, three weeks worth. Let's do it. Let's, but, just, let's just run through some movies. Yeah, let's talk about The Alchemist Cookbook. So this is written and directed by Joel Petroikis. Uh, this is out now on VOD platforms, pretty much every platform, including BitTorrent. You can, this is one of the BitTorrent bundles where you can pay whatever you want. And this is, yeah, he's doing that pay whatever you want, right? Mm -hmm. Pay what you want. And you you can watch it on Amazon too. It's only $2.99 to rent on Amazon. Whoa, 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 you actually have to pay a set amount on there? On Amazon. (laughs) Amazon bunch of dicks. (laughs) I feel like if you get it on BitTorrent bundle, you should at least give him three bucks for it. I mean, come on. This, is a, this isn't like a short film or anything. It's a feature. That's what I mean. Like, I would go somewhere else. I wouldn't go to the Amazon because I'd probably actually give them more than three, three bucks. Yeah, three I, bucks I, I would give cheap for a movie. You know what I mean? For a new release, a new release on VOD is usually six, seven bucks yeah. at least. So, you know, I'd go on the BitTorrent bundle and do, do it that way. Give them six or seven bucks. Yeah. Uh, I have a synopsis here suffering from delusions of fortune. A young hermit hides out in the forest, hoping to crack an ancient mystery but pays a price for his mania. This stars Ty Hickson from Gimme the Loot, 
Remember, give me yeah, that. Yeah, and I didn't know that. Like, I didn't really know much about Alchemist Cookbook going into it. And that was the first thing, like, before I watched it, I was like, wait, Ty Hickson's in this? And then I got yeah. automatically, I got like super excited. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Amari Cheatham is also in this. Those are the only two characters other than the cat. Cat and the possum. And the possum. Possum in there. Uh, so I, I have a review for this up on the site right now. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What did you think of the Alchemist Cookbook? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I'm just kind of confused with, with, with Joel here. With his mood, it just seems like he's obsessed with what, like, long takes of people eating stuff. <laughs> I mentioned that in my review. Yeah, and it's just like every movie has it. Every one of his movies has it. They just, it's just like, okay, let's spend like eight minutes here while this person just eats, you know, like spaghetti or Doritos or. He takes it to another level in this because he does it. He does multiple it times. Yeah, he does it multiple times, and I'm just like, I don't. I'm sorry, but I'm not. I've never been sitting around and be like, you know what? I like Ty Hickson. I thought he was good in Give Me the Loop. I wish there was, there was a movie that utilized his talents of eating Doritos. Stuffing Doritos in his yeah, face. Kind of like just shoving them in there and not really doing a good job of keeping them in his mouth. Like, I could watch that for like five minutes. That'd be cool. Like, and every time, and you, at this point in time, you kind of know, like, when that scene starts where you're like, oh, here we go. This is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Hickson's going to eat Doritos for a little bit here. And it's just, it's kind of like, this is, this is a waste of my time. I'm sorry, but it's a waste of my time. Yeah. And he also, he chugs the Gatorade. Yeah. He that, that, yeah. Scene was, that scene, that one felt really long. The, the Gatorade chug. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where as soon as he starts chugging it, you're like, you're waiting a little bit. And then it gets kind of to like the, he, he drinks about like a, a quarter of it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. He's going to. He's gonna. He's gonna keep the camera on him. Yeah, he's we're gonna, gonna stay. Himself. We're gonna stay. Stay with this. And I'm essentially just like through. sitting there looking at my watch, like, okay, all right, are you done with that Gatorade? Nope. Okay. And then just by the time he's done, you're like, great, let's let's move on to something else. And then you know you move on to Doritos, and you're like, okay, I guess I'll sit here and watch you eat Doritos. I don't. I, I don't know. It's just there's there's things that I did like about it, but it, like at the end of the movie. You know, after the the hour and twenty two minutes, at the end, you're just like, okay, what what was the point of this? What what was this? What was Apparently, this? I read something that said that this was sort of an experiment for Petroikis to see if if audiences could connect with this character. And to me, it was like, what's what's the difference between this character and his character from Buzzard or his character from Eight? Because it feels like. This is the same. Yeah, he, he likes to use the same kind of uh, you know profile for his for his protagonists, where they're they're not really likable. They have issues. They like to eat terrible. They like food. to stuff things in their face. Eat Doritos, slurp cereal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. He eats Frosted Flakes for a while or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was Frosted Flakes or whatever it was, but you know. It's just it's his movies are just people doing a terrible job of eating. I I like this movie, but I do have I think the same issues as you with it. Uh, I, I like the movies of Joel Petroikis. I can't really put my finger on why I like his movies particularly. Like I I just there's something about the humor that he employs. You just kind of wish they went somewhere though. That's the somewhere. thing. That's the thing. 
Because even is, as like even as just a character study, it doesn't really work too well. Because it doesn't. I mean, I could be don't, wrong, but it doesn't feel that realistic to me that this is something that someone could go through. I could be completely wrong. I, I mean, I have no idea. Well, I mean, it seems like and they don't. He doesn't spell this out, but it seems like uh, the the main character, which is named Sean, is seems like he's a schizophrenic and. <laughs> Once he goes off his medicine, that's when he starts having the paranoia and the delusions and things like that. So I think something like this happening, it could be a possibility. It's possible that something like this could happen. Because I know a lot of paranoid schizophrenics feel like, you know, there's people spying on them, people out to get them, stuff like that. Uh, Taking it to this level, I don't know. Yeah, it's just. Oh, and I forgot the other thing is he always likes to get that file in there. Someone likes to, the file stuff. I never, I never thought about that. I guess yeah, because he, right. he got uh, what's his name got the file from the hotel and he was doing mm-hmm. this. So it's just people, people doing a shit job of eating and filing things. Like that's his whole shtick. It seems like, which I, I guess that's all right. But I don't need to sit down for an hour and a half if that's what you have to offer me. Well, one one of the other things I like about him is that he has a defined style. Like when I see the Alchemist Cookbook, I absolutely know that this is a film from this director. He's he has a very specific style that he likes to adhere to, and I like that in in filmmakers. I think that we need more filmmakers that have a defined style. It helps if you like that style, which, <laughs> yeah. which I happen to like. So it does help you. I will say that I I did like Hickson in it. Uh, yeah, I thought Mark Cheatham I thought was even better. I thought he was the, fantastic. Every time that, he showed up, the the movie. Yes, the saving grace for this movie is the the banter between Hickson and Cheatham. I those <laughs> those there's only like three scenes with them in, but they're all those fantastic. Those are what did it for me. Those the, those scenes. The, the first cap. time he shows up with the supply drop. Yes. And how he he wants to watch those VHSs. He even brought a TV and a VCR. He's ready to go. He, the, the dancer's jacket. Yeah, he's so excited about his dancer's jacket. He has to eat that cat food. The cat food scene was amazing. I loved the cat food scene. I also love the second time he shows up and he just wants to make a bologna sandwich. He's just trying to find that bread. Struggling, struggling to find that bread. But he doesn't give up. He's really persistent about getting that bread because he wants that bologna sandwich, which is yeah. fucking terrible. He has 99 cent bologna. Like, that's not good bologna. No. That's terrible. That's not fresh. No. It's awful. But he sticks with it and he finds that bread. It doesn't work out, though. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I wanted more of that. I wanted more of the two of them and their banter. Well, they, they, and that's the thing is like things actually happen outside yeah. of eating Doritos and cereal and maybe putting some Christmas lights. Mixing around. up some chemicals. Can't forget that. He's mixing up some chemicals. He's, he's doing his Bunsen. His, well, he doesn't have a Bunsen burner. He uses a candle, I think. I don't think he has a Bunsen burner. He's, he's got a that, torch. He uses that blowtorch. He's all about that blowtorch. Yeah, he uses that for everything. It's sawing batteries. Mm hmm. I don't Sawing know. Up those batteries. And then just, you know, by the time you get to the end. Which the end, awful. It's... I thought the end was bad. <laughs> I thought well, it, was a non, it, it was a non-ending. Which just made it even worse because the whole up until that point, you're kind of just like, where, where are we going with this? What is the point of this? Why, you know, essentially you're wasting my time, really. And then you you build it up to that, and then that's how you end it. And you just think, oh, wow, that's 
like you made it even worse. Yeah, the end the end was very abrupt and anticlimactic and there was no resolution. It felt like everything I was watching was for naught. Like there was no reason for me to watch any of this because it didn't if it was meant to be a character study, it didn't feel like a character study. I, I went in knowing nothing about this guy, I left knowing nothing about this guy, other than he has some sort of mental illness. Yeah. How do you get how do you get this book? You know, what what made him want to come out here to the woods and do this? There was just there was so so much. Like, what's motivating him? Is he having trouble at home? Like, what's what's going on in well, also, the life that he left? Well, and also if again if it is a character study, and you're talking about this guy with mental illness, it just, it doesn't really feel like he's studying the mental illness at all, or or even trying to make you feel empathy for for it. It, it just seems like he's just using it as an excuse. Just like, hey, we can use this so he can do alchemy stuff and be paranoid. And we can do some creature stuff, too. It's just, it felt like an excuse. Yeah, and, and Which, it, to me, is kind of, you know, just kind of disrespectful. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of movies that play with it the feel, same. And, and the, 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 you know, because it, it feels like a lot of it, it, it feels almost essentially like the same character from Buzzard. Yeah. Except that he doesn't have the, you know, him being pissed off at everything banks and stuff or society as a whole even well he might have been he yeah. left society yeah so obviously he had some issues with it yeah it's but he was <laughs> he still loved certain parts of society because he was all he wanted to have that mansion with the doritos mm-hmm. the, little the, the capri suns so many fucking capri suns <laughs> and see that's the that's the thing it's like these little things these little Bits of dialogue and just little odd little kind of throwaway gags that are in this movie that that really did it for me and and made up at least for me made up for the very the the very minimal too minimal uh, plot and very uh, vanilla there's, ending. Yeah, well, there's a couple of good sequences in there too, like the campfire stuff that looked good, and there was in particular a shot towards the end where. He was shooting, you know, from quite some distance, like down into the valley, and mm-hmm. Hickson's like walking through. I thought that would look fantastic, but yeah, outside of that, it's just the visuals are kind of drab. There's not much going on. I, just, I felt like I had to watch someone fucking eat Doritos for entirely too long. Hmm. And know. it's not gonna. Unfortunately, it's just not gonna top the scene in Buzzard with the treadmill and the and the bugles. Well, I mean that's. Like that, just, nothing can top that. I don't get that. like it seems like he went in to filmmaking just to dick around with food. With snacks. <laughs> it's just like let's do stuff with snacks. It's like that's okay. That's kinda cool, I guess. But you know, after after seeing it a couple times, you're like, Do you have anything else to offer besides like dicking around with snacks? All I know is he be- he better be careful because he's he's, he's gonna start Kind of pigeonholing himself into this. I think he already snack did. food thing. I think he already did. I'm sorry, if he, but if for me, at, least, at some point, if he decides that he doesn't want to include those things, there's going to be backlash from his fans. Going to be like, what the hell? I just like. There's no snacking in this movie. And what I think now is L for leisure. When they're like, hey, you want to fuck fuck with some jeans? <laughs> like that's what I think. Like if someone's like, hey, you want to watch Joe? Por- movie i'm just like 
oh, you want to fuck around with some snack food? <laughs> and I got to uh, say, like, I'm at that point now where I'm like, no, nah, I don't really feel the need to fuck around with some snack food. I'd rather do something else. I'm still I'm still on board with, with his movies. I, th- I think that his movies are certainly uh, an acquired taste, and they're, they're absolutely not for everyone. I think most people, most general moviegoers that check out one of his movies will not be into it. But it, it still works for me. I'm still interested to see whatever he comes up with next. I, I'd like to see him do just a straight-up horror movie or a straight-up yeah. comedy. He's going to fuck around with some cheese doodles next or something. That's what's going to happen. I did also uh, just this is this is just a nitpick, but I did not like the kind of makeup effects that they did there towards the end with uh, with Sean. Yeah, they I, just, I just didn't think they looked good. No, just not that into it. Although the possum thing, I couldn't tell if that was a real. I mean, I think it was a real possum at some points, but I couldn't tell if that was a puppet. I think it was a puppet, right? No, no, I think it was just a real possum. Was it? Because the way it moved, I don't know. I, I couldn't I did, tell. Yeah, I mean, it did move kind of like a puppet, but at the same time, I've never like hung out with a possum and studied its movements to be like, damn, that's that's a legit possum. Yeah, because at one point, I was like, I was really studying this possum to see if it was a real possum or if it was a fake possum. And it looked like, I swear, it looked like it was breathing. Like, And I mean, maybe it was just a really good puppet, but I don't know. Because you got to think like the other effects that you see, right? They're so they're, there's the, there's the, they're there's pretty. A, there's a golf. Yeah, there's a golf there. But at the same time, maybe they spent all the money on the possum. That's where most of the budget went. I mean, I know that they used a real possum at least at the beginning when he first caught it. That that had to be real. Just the way it moved. There's just no way that wasn't a real possum. And I mean, the, the possums in the credits too. So we know it was a real possum at one point. But I'm th- yeah. I'm referring to the scene where he has it back in the in the trailer yeah. and he yeah. feeds it the because you don't need a puppet for that scene. No, you don't. But just the way it moved, it didn't look like it moved naturally. Yeah, because it's like it looked possum. like it was sick or something. They're disgusting. <laughs> they're disgusting, creepy. vile creatures. Creepy as shit. They're not. They're not real. There's something wrong with them. I don't like possums. Uh. I don't really have an opinion on them, honestly. I mean, well, you they're, should, you they're should not go. they're not very visually pleasant. You gotta pick a side because they're fucking creepy. Okay, well, I, I guess if I had to pick a side, I'd be anti possum. Good, I'm glad. I didn't want to lose you as a friend. <laughs> All right, let's give this thing a score. I'm gonna give Alchemist Cookbook a six out of ten. I'm gonna give it a five, and I also really wanted Doritos by the end of it. So did I. I wanted Doritos so bad. Maybe maybe that was the other part of the other experiment. Of this movie is to to see it's a com- can, it's, it's a commercial for Doritos. And if you can evoke, if you can evoke the need for Doritos by showing a man shoving them into his face nonstop, it worked. Could work. Yep. Yep. All right. That's the Alchemist Cookbook that is out now on VOD platforms, pretty much everywhere. So, but again, I would recommend the BitTorrent bundle because usually, because not only can you pay what you want, but they usually include bonus features yeah so i would check it out on there let's talk about the greasy strangler this is directed by jim hosking i have a synopsis here ronnie runs a disco walking tour with his son brayden <laughs> i love that his name is brayden i don't know why i just 
Every time they said his name, I laughed. When a sexy woman takes the tour, it begins a competition between father and son for her love. It also signals the arrival of an oily strangler who stalks the streets at night. This stars Michael St. Michaels, Sky Elabar, and Elizabeth Durazzo. Oh, greasy strangler. I have a couple questions for you, Kevin. Was this the grossest movie you've ever seen? No, I don't think so. Okay, because I know you don't you don't typically watch movies like this. It's pretty. This, I mean, it was gross. This is definitely a departure for you. Yeah, the old greasy strangler. Um, th- this the the first point I would make is that uh, I hate greasy things. Like yeah. I have an aversion to greasy things. I hate greasy food. Like when I eat bacon, I'm not a big bacon eater because of the grease. Uh, if I ever eat bacon, it has to be very crispy bacon, well, almost almost burnt. Okay. So I don't like greasy things as it is. That being said, there's a lot of greasy stuff in this movie, and every time they would show it, mm-hmm. I would I would just like yeah, I would want a gag in my mouth. Because at first they kind of keep it tame. They do at first, except although I will say, like, I, I know that's just me and my aversion to, to Greece, but that scene with the sausages towards the yeah, beginning, that's I was it, just yeah. like, oh. That was a little gross, but, I, and then, but as time wore on a little bit, I, did, I think it was okay up until he dunked the dog, fully dunked it in the grease, the uncooked mm. grease, where it was like, it's essentially like lard. Yeah. I think up until that point, I was like, man, that's not that much grease. Like, but, as but, much as they talk about grease, there's not that much grease in there. It gets it gets more greasy. Yeah, and then the grease is everywhere because then yeah. there's grease on grapefruit. There's grease yeah. on people. There's grease. <laughs> the grapefruit grease. Oh. I mean, there's just grease is showing up everywhere. The the interesting thing is they didn't when he dunked the hot dog in the grease. I was grossed out by that, but I was like, if he eats that, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna vomit. And that's the thing. But he doesn't. He they no. show him eating it later, but it does. It's not. It doesn't have grease. See, in it. and this is the thing that kind of gets me because I thought the same thing too. I was like, you better not show him fucking eating that. <laughs> I know. But at the same time, in my head, I'm thinking, well, you do better it. Be, you better be fully fucking committed. Yeah. You're called a greasy strangler. He better eat that fucking hot dog. And I want to see it. At the same time, I don't want to see it, but I do want to see it. And he doesn't. Yeah. And then I think, you chicken shit. Like, if you're going to call yourself the Greasy Strangler movie and your movie's going to be all based on grease and he's covered in grease and he likes grease on everything, you show me eating that stuff. I want you to be fully committed to your to your idea here. I don't I don't think he eats the grapefruit either when they... No, uh, he just, he just when he spreads it, it and massages it. He does he does eat the bread when when Brayden puts the grease on the, on the toast. Yeah, but you that. don't know if that's actually grease of course i i doubt that they used i think a lot of it that they showed was not real grease i at least i hope so (laughs) anyway uh to me this movie felt like i'm sure that everybody's probably drawing these comparisons but i think they're they're pretty apt comparisons and that's with tim and eric first of all it's this a, had it's a knockoff. It's a poor it, Tim and Eric. Yeah, this had an extreme Tim and Eric vibe to it. Uh, very much so. I also got a little bit of a Quentin Dupio vibe from it as well, especially mm-hmm. from the the music. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's essentially a marriage of those two things. Yeah, yeah. And then disco in Greece. Yeah, sort of, sort of disco, I guess. The hooty tooty disco cutie. That's just. 
the thing about the the first the first thing the first annoyance I had with this movie is that they like to do the joke where you repeat oh, the God. same thing over and over again. I know, and that's that's something that Tim and Eric do as well. But they they do it on a much scaled back way. This movie, it's it takes it to ridiculous levels where the it'll be two characters or even one character that are, they, they just say the same thing over and over again and the camera just stays with it and they just linger on it forever. Yeah. And I mean, the first time that they did it in Greasy Strangler, I was like, oh fuck, it's going to be this. And it, well, it's right at the beginning when they do yeah. it for the first time. It's like the first scene of the movie and you're just like, oh no, <laughs> damn it. And then the, the whole, there's the whole scene. I swear to God, it felt like it was like 27 minutes long. The bullshit? Yeah, the, the bullshit, bullshit artist. artist. Yeah. It's just like it's unbelievable. I just wanted that to end so bad. I wanted so much of this movie to end. Yeah, I I had uh, <laughs> I had some major issues with this movie. It's it's there were some there were some parts that made me laugh for sure. Uh, most of it was um, uh, Braden Sky Elbar. I I liked his I liked his character. I thought almost everything he said was funny. I hated. Michael St. Michael's as Big Ronnie. Not, I didn't hate the actor. I just, I hated the character of yeah. Big Ronnie. I didn't think he was funny. I thought yeah. that he, he, I just did not. Like at first, I was like, oh, it's funny. He's like, a, you know, he's like a dirty old man. And he's kind of vulgar and offensive. But I just didn't, I, I just couldn't get on board with Big Ronnie. Yeah. Didn't think he was funny. I also didn't, you know, what, what was up with everyone's aversion to pants? Like is it? Like is it uh, that hard? Yeah, we, I mean, we we can't talk about the greasy strangle without talking about the uh, lack of pants in this movie. Just wear some pants, maybe occasionally. I just yeah. I just felt like they should have wore pants more often than they did. Yeah, there's a so there's there's really three characters. The three characters that I mentioned, those are the, really the three main characters of the movie, I would say. And for most of the movie, none of them have pants on. Mm-hmm. They're either fully naked or have very tight underwear on mm-hmm. well then even like oinker shows up yeah oinker it's just like walking down the street and he's just got some boxer shorts on and i'm just yeah. like what's up with this air like this universe like is just no one wearing pants my, my pants favorite hard to come by or my, my favorite was the disco outfit that big ronnie wore where <laughs> <laughs> it was like this kind of singlet thing it was like a like a tracksuit or something. No, not a tracksuit. Yeah, it's like a jumpsuit. It was a, it was a jumpsuit. That's it. Uh, and the the middle, like the crotch part, was just completely exposed, and nobody, like everybody, was just cool with it. Like you're just cool with the, with his shit just hanging out. Just it was just hanging out. I mean, it was tucked into the leg part. Yeah, but but I guess yeah. after a while, if most people aren't wearing pants, you just kind of get used to it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's. Uh, I think this pantsless world is is interesting. I don't think it is. I think it's terrible. <laughs> pants are really important. You should wear pants. Everyone should wear pants. Yeah, no one wants to see that shit. Especially when, you, when your shit looks like cooked up sausage. It's been sitting out for like three days. Ugh. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Not, so for large portions of the movie, Big Ronnie, it just goes fully naked, and he has. Uh, you you get to see a lot of prosthetic penis in this, but it, it but it's not like a normal prosthetic penis. It's just this. It's 
What did, what did he say it looks like? He said it looks like a giant dead mouse or something. <laughs> like an enlarged mouse head or something. Yeah. Uh, it said that's that's pretty horrible. Although it's really funny. Uh, the, the first time they showed it, the scene with him going through the car wash yeah. made me laugh because <laughs> of his wiener flapping <laughs> in the, uh, the dryer scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say about this movie. It's uh, it's extremely gross. It's not all that funny. No. I would say that it is better than... I would say that it's better than something like an Astron 6 movie or a Troma movie, for sure, because of the the kind of quirky humor. But, yeah, this I, I was not I just, into it. Yeah, I just watched Tim and Eric or the Tim and Eric movie. Yeah. I just I couldn't get on board with it. Especially when they just kept doing the same jokes, and I wanted and to. That's the it, thing. I really, I really wanted to like this movie, uh, but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, couldn't do, do it either. Because no. I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And this is way off of what I usually watch. But I was like, I had the mind wide open. And I'm like, giving it a shot. Let's get weird. Let's do this. And then they immediately did the free drinks thing for like ten minutes. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. I can't buy into that. I hope they don't do that again. And then they proceeded to do it like 12 more times. The potato chip? Yeah, the potato chip thing. And he just kept saying Porto. And I'm just like, it's not funny. Like, let's just give it up. Let's stop. Let's give if it you're going to do that joke, you, you can't do it for that long. No. And then you have the bullshit artist joke that, like I said, goes on for 29 minutes. Bullshit artist. And it just keeps going. And then he mm. does that thing where he's like, I'm getting a whiff of something. And he just keeps going. And go on, he's like, what's the answer? And he's like, I'll tell you, wait for it. And he just keeps taking whiffs. And you're like, you're going to... That was the worst. Well, and, and it's, the thing is, is you know the punchline. Like, exactly. You know the setup. You're like, he's going to... Let's just say, get it over with. Yeah. Come on. Just you know he's going to say horse shit. Move on. Move on. It's not funny. Sorry. I will reiterate that I thought Braden was really funny and everything he said was funny. I did like when he was like, I'm shit scared. I know. I'm shit scared, Janet. <laughs> And the the scene, the, the the first time that they had sex, uh, <laughs> like made this, me look. Janet? Like this I don't show? I don't know if I'm doing it right, Janet. I don't know if I'm doing it right, Janet. Oh God. Uh, but uh, yeah. everything else, no, thank you. I'd rather. Yeah. Not. Yep. Loved Braden. Pretty much hated every, everybody else. I liked the scene when uh, when Big Ronnie dressed up as the investigator, Jody. For some and, and for some reason, Braden and Janet did not just, instantly recognize him. I and he's wearing the. Like, for some reason, he had the long fingernails. And I just, I like when he first shows up and he's like, "Oh, you're the son of the greasy strangler." And he's like, "Oh, come in. I like your jacket." <laughs> and there was just there was one scene when I think it was when Jody told him that they did to not investigate it and that they weren't gonna. There, there was not enough evidence. He just goes, "Come on, Jody," <laughs> just the way he says that. Uh, uh, mm. It's all about Braden for me. The, the Braden was the only well, thing that made thing. that made that made me not want to turn this off. Yeah. Well, even then, I still kind of wanted to turn it off. I wanted it to be over so bad. I hated Winker. I thought it was it's, well that that scene was really gross. When yeah. that's a little bit of a spoiler, but. Let's um let's talk about the the actual greasy strangler bit. So basically, like the synopsis says, there's a killer on the loose. We learn immediately that it's Big Ronnie. That's not a spoiler. 
Like you, you see that right off the bat. Yeah. And at first, like I thought that it was going to be sort of a mystery when Braden decides to track down the greasy strangler and figure out who it is after his well, just, somebody else gets killed. I just love at first that like no one cares. Like no one's talking about the greasy strangler except yeah. the greasy strangler when he's not the greasy strangler. He's just constantly going like, oh, you think I'm the greasy strangler, don't you? And everyone's like, no, not really. Like, yeah, I know. I never thought that at all. Like no, like no one's looking for him, nothing, you know. And then, like towards like halfway through the movie, it's like I want to find out who the greasy strangler is. And it's like you kind of already know, don't you? Like who else could it be? And then yeah. <laughs> just like it has, no, there's a lot. There's a very small amount of greasy strangler stuff in there. Yeah, which I wasn't even a big fan of the that stuff either. No. Because it just seems like a whole ordeal. Dunking yourself in the yeah. grease and grease, greasing it up. Uh, although I do, I do like how for some reason it like it changes you when you do it. Like it turns you into because they they sound like a monster. Like they're they're uh, they make those kind of guttural noises. Yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe it's because it like clogs up your pores or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Probably because it lubricates your throat. You know. That's you right. He needs his throat lubricated. <laughs> That was a that was a funny that was a funny interaction between Big Ronnie and the hot dog salesman about how he just he just kept saying I could lose my license. Just the whole time oil. Like, I need more grease. I could, and I repeat, I could lose my license. I just I love the fact that he added the I repeat. He's just he wanted to stress that he really wanted to get that across that he could lose his license. Yeah, what did you think of the music? Music, the music was uh, very music is prominent. Right. Music very is prominent right. in this. I'm just, it's one of those things that, like, if I'm thinking, because it had such a Tim and Eric vibe to it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I just immediately associated, like, I think the soundtrack should be tobacco. I don't know why. Just anything, anytime I think it's something, like, creepy and just sort of weird and, like, slightly disgusting or greasy or something, I think it should be tobacco. Well, so yeah, then I'm because, just like, it should just be, you should just watch tobacco music videos that are directed. By yeah, I was, I was <laughs> going to say, go. all you got to do is watch some of those videos. <laughs> there you go. You got it. It's much better, you know, use of your time than watching the Greasy Strangler. Just do that instead. Yeah. Uh, it's, I can't recommend it, unfortunately. No, it's, like just, I said, it's I, such a huge waste of time. It's, there's like 15 minutes worth of stuff in here. And it's an hour and 33 minutes. Well, that was the first thing right off the bat. I saw how long this was. And I was like, this movie has no right to be an hour and 33 minutes. <laughs> like, I haven't even seen it yet. I don't really know what it's about. But I can tell you right now, there's no way it deserves an hour and 33 minute runtime. I was expecting it to be more kind of investigative work. I, I thought it was going to be more about Braden trying to figure out who the Greasy Strangler is. And then trying to stop him. The end, uh, the end didn't do it for me either. I, I did not like how it ended. Yeah. Just this, the whole climax. I was like, uh, I, I don't believe that he would do this. Yeah. Just no thanks. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, that's the Greasy Strangler. That's available on VOD right now, so you can check it out if you'd like. It is gross, want. but I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be gross, more gross than it was. Yeah, I, thought, I definitely thought it was going to be gross. Like too. I thought it was going to be really. Because I, I, so I remember when the the first Red Band trailer came out, I was like, oh, man, 
but it was like almost all of the really gross stuff was in that trailer. So I was like expecting it to be a lot just, more graphic. One, two, to get back to the thing where you never see him actually like eat the grease full on, you know, like what the fuck? Like that's kind of disappointing. You're going to call yourself the movie The Greasy Strangler. You're going to have all this gross out stuff in it. And you don't like, again, you don't fully commit to the main character ingesting some of that grease and just going just over the top just take it to where it needs to be taken and you don't so i gotta say bullshit artist bullshit artist i call bullshit on that i'm sorry one thing i noticed uh and this might be kind of a, a technical thing that they that they had to do whenever the greasy strangler was doing his thing i noticed that he was wearing he was wearing pants like he was wearing clothes because it, you, when you see it, you think you think that he's naked. Yeah, it was kind of because because his penis was out, but you can see that he's wearing clothes underneath. And I'm wondering if it's because like they they didn't want to put that on this on his skin. Well, yeah. Or that's... or if it wouldn't if it didn't show up right on camera. Oh my because... god! Because that shit, you know, it's messing up sets. You get grease everywhere. You got yeah, like, you got to spend time cleaning that up. And, so and I'm guessing suit where it's kind of like caked on to you. Yeah, and and I'm guessing also maybe because it was probably whatever gunk they were using as the grease, it was probably clear. Like you could probably still see your skin. Yeah. Through it, you know what I mean? Like it was probably translucent. No, they so. wanted it to be that like if you cook up like a pound of bacon. Yeah, and then you have that pan out on the stove, and you're just and you like, see, and oh, it solidifies. Yeah, and you're like, I don't feel like cleaning that pan. Fuck that, I got other stuff to do. And you just leave it on there, and then you end up checking it like seven hours later, and you're like, Oh god, <laughs> shit. <laughs> then you gotta like try and figure out how to clean that stuff because that's it's difficult to clean up. Well, you can't just put it in the sink. That's no, the and that's the just... thing. That's just a little pan that you cooked up a pound of bacon in. That's it, you know. Imagine a full-grown man caked in that stuff and then trying to clean that up afterwards. And then to come across that amount, you know, that much grease, because that shit's not cheap. No. That's just, like, that's a whole thing that I I guess they don't have time for, which I can understand. Yeah, I can understand. It was just something I I noticed. I'll tell you this. It should have went in someone's fucking mouth, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I thought that the hot dog scene, I thought he was definitely going to eat that. He should have. I thought that the uh, there's there's one scene where the greasy strangler puts his finger in a severed yeah. nose hole and then licks it. That was pretty gross. That was pretty gross. I'm because whatever that. kind of liquid came out of that hole, like it was not very pleasant. That looked that. like the the inside of like a strawberry toaster strudel. Sort of, yeah. Where it was like kind of red, but yeah, not really. There's like a yellowish red. Yeah, something going on there. That's gross. Yeah, it was pretty gross. All right, Greasy Strangler, let's give this thing a score. Kevin, what are you going to give this? I give it a two. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Nah, three. 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 Good work. Just for Braden. That three's for Braden. I love you, Braden. Good work, Braden. I actually want to see him in more movies now, Sky Elbar. And I I hate to keep doing the comparisons, but it seemed like he was Eric Wareheim mixed with Judah Freelander. Yeah, very much so. I'm okay with that. We need more Eric Wareheims in movies. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about someone we've been watching on the watch list. Now I'm just I'm thinking what I'm gonna do is just kind of do I'm not gonna list everything I've watched over the last three weeks, but just some some highlights maybe. 
Get it. Uh, I'll start it off with Operation Avalanche. This is the uh, directed by Matt Johnson, friend of the show. Uh, big fan of this one, of course. I knew I was going to be. You already knew. I already knew it. So basically, this is a mockumentary-style movie that takes place in 1967, and it centers around two, um, I guess four, but two main uh, CIA agents who are tasked with going undercover to NASA, into NASA, posing as a documentary film crew to cover the, 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 the space program. And what they discover is that we're behind on schedule and we're not going to be able to land on the moon. We're going to be able to get some, get the crew to the moon, but we don't have, there was something going on with the lander. We don't have, it's not going to be ready. So what they decide to do is essentially fake the moon landing. You know, this is a big conspiracy theory that's floated around probably since the moon landing occurred. And the interesting thing was, this was like the most plausible uh, kind of interpretation of that conspiracy theory. Like yeah. when you when you watch this movie, you're like, yeah, I could totally see that. Like they film the footage, they send the footage with the astronauts, and then they beam, they kind of play that footage back from space. So it's like it's not like we didn't go there at all. It's just that we couldn't land there. Yeah. Either way, uh, this. I love Matt Johnson's movies. I like his his humor. I love the dirties. Uh, I, and I was a big fan of his web series, Nirvana, the band, the show. And this this one is really because he t- he t- when we had him on the show a long, long time ago, he told me about this and what they were planning on doing. And my question to him right away was, how do you make a found footage movie that takes place in the 60s? Like, because you don't have the yeah. same you it, it wouldn't look right because you don't have the same equipment back then like you can't you don't have these small portable cameras and wireless mics and all this stuff that would be needed to make a found footage type of movie and he so what he does is he uses all the actual real cameras from that era so when you see this movie it's shot on vintage cameras from that time uh and as such it looks like it's I mean, it's the real deal. And like his other movies, like the dirties, he accounts for all of the, the, the technical um, pitfalls that a lot of people who do these mockumentaries or found footage movies seem to fall for like sound issues. Like how did you capture that sound when you're so far away? Did they have wireless mics, you know, all this stuff. And he kind of makes up for that. He even, accounts for editing it's the same thing he did in the dirties essentially he uses the same kind of um plot devices that he uses in the dirties in this movie which is perfectly fine because it it's an easy way to account for how we're seeing this yeah you know because that's the other thing in found footage movies it's like who edited this you know why why are we seeing it in this package and he does that like like the dirties there are scenes in this movie where it shows him actually editing the movie we're watching mm-hmm. and uh but the interesting thing is of course he has to have like a big editing studio and a splicer and everything in, in this one uh but it's fantastic highly recommend it there's this there's a, a single take shot that's uh near the climax that's a car chase and it is incredible i 
I don't know how he was able to to do it. I talked to him after I saw it and told him, you know, what what an awesome job he did with this one. And he's going to be back on the show soon. He's working on a TV show now. He's redoing Nirvana the band the show. Mm, okay. And um that's going to be I think he's working on that right now, but we're going to have him on after he's uh, maybe even before that comes out. Yeah. But either way, Operation Avalanche playing in theaters right now. Check it out. Absolutely worth seeing. Nice. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, you'll like it, I think. Uh, I saw the Magnificent Seven remake. Or oh, so did I. This is interesting. Uh, I saw it in this little town in Holland, and it was subtitled in Dutch. Nice. That was the best part about it, by the way. That that seems like that would... That actually seems like it would make it more interesting than what the actual movie was. That's what I'm saying. The the Dutch subtitles (laughs) and just the... And you know what's interesting? This is is another thing. I mean, maybe it just shows my ignorance when it comes to world cinema. But you know the the distributor... I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. I pronounce it Pathé. You know, it's the chicken, the rooster logo. They actually have uh, all of the movie theaters that I saw in the Netherlands were Pathé theaters. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're actually movie theaters there, and they're really, really nice. I mean, very, very nice movie yeah, theaters. Yeah, because they're one of the original like studios, you know, for, like way back in the day. Yeah. The things would just start now back when the studios actually owned the movie theaters because, you know, they had to figure out a way of showing, showing it to people. off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't know that they uh, they they had theaters, and they're like a huge theater chain. So um, that's where I saw Magnificent better, Seven. Better than Regal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Regal. Piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, they they had assigned seating, and it was uh, they had some really interesting concessions. Although one one other one thing is that they didn't have fountain drinks. So like when you ordered a Coke, they gave you a Coke in a bottle, and nice. it was like room temperature was not that was not good yeah i think i've read that that there's a lot of places people don't seem to be into like cold drinks like we are no they're not like they'll give you like you have to a lot of the restaurants we went to in europe that we had to actually request a glass of ice and there were several like smaller diners and things that they just didn't even have ice they're just like can can i have a glass of ice and they'll be like no we don't have any Which is weird because I can't imagine drinking anything without ice. Unless and you it's know, coffee. the other thing I noticed is that over here, it's like predominantly when you go to restaurants is Coke. You know, Coke over Pepsi usually. Coke usually wins out. But over there, it's like everything's Pepsi. And it's like you don't have a glass of ice, but you have Pepsi Max that you can give me. Like it just seemed it just seemed weird. Well, question. What did you think of the Magnificent Seven? I didn't like it. No, it was terrible, wasn't it? I it's did just not like so it. it's such a manila folder like they, I, they, like no one had any like there's just no personality to this yeah movie. it was it was, was no charisma no care like nothing painfully just, generic oh my goodness and what the fuck is d'onofrio doing in this movie he had that he had that weird voice I, I don't, that like hey guys he's like he's doing He's doing like a like a bear man thing, but at the same time he's like a terrified child, or almost like a bit because he's like half whimpering it, it's, when he's talking. It, it's weird, like when you see it, 
you might think, oh, well, maybe that was based on a character in the original Magnificent Seven. But I watched the original Magnificent Seven before I left on my trip. Well, the other, there, there is no character like that in the well, original. The, the other thing is, I at like at first when he first shows up, I kind of chalked it up to his head wound, and I was like, okay, maybe he's just like in shock and he's kind of tired from chasing these guys the whole way. Yeah, so he's not gonna talk like that the rest of the movie. That would be weird. But then it gets worse. Like it's mm-hmm. even more pronounced. Like as the movie goes on, and I'm just wondering, what is he supposed? Is he a human? Is he supposed to be an adult man? It's just that was the most intriguing part of this movie, and not in a good way. But it was just I I couldn't move past that. But then yeah, you know, everything else was just like bang, 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 and then people falling and yeah, it just and wasn't it and wasn't that interesting. And it's just also weird that I can watch like two hundred people get shot in the face or get shot with arrows or shotgun blasts get blown up by them, but. You hear one horse whinny and like fall down. And you're like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck are they doing to these horses? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I felt the same way. Why, it's, why it's, are you making these horses fall down? Knock it off. It's unfortunate, but but when I saw this movie, when I came out of it, I was like, oh, so that's why we haven't seen Western movies in like, you know, 15 years. Because th- for a long time there, there were no Westerns that were coming out at all. And I think the reason is probably because... They got stale and well. And the other generic. thing too is like, I don't like you making horses fall down. Like even if they're okay, like a horse doesn't want to be tripped and fall over. Like no one enjoys that. But if you're going to do it for the sake of a movie, at least make your movie fucking good or you know something to it. Something like I it's just there was absolutely nothing in here. It was just so unbelievably bland. Yep, I completely agree. I was not into it at all. I. PG-13, too. That's the other thing that always irks me when I see movies like this that have body counts of, like, 100, 150 people, and this is a PG-13 movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, we take out the blood, so it's okay. Bring your kids. Yeah, but it's still... Uh, I'll never understand that either. Because it makes That's... it more bizarre to me. It's just like, oh, these people having terrible things happen to them, and there's no blood. Like, there's no repercussions like, for it. They just in, in my mind, like kids should have to see, but they should see that there's like repercussions to what exactly. To that's that's out of you. That's the sentiment of a lot that a lot of people have, including myself, when it comes to violence got, in movies. You got kids running around and just be like, yeah, I can just stab you with this, and nothing happens. Yeah, I would say if you want to, if you want to see a new western, just watch Westwood on. HBO, just check that out. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan series. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Maybe we'll see. The first two episodes are out. I saw the first one. Uh, people were like seemingly losing their minds over it. Uh, I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was amazing. That's all people do nowadays with television. It's got a lot of potential. I'll like give it, it that. It seems like everyone loses their shit for TV shows, and then when I finally like. Like, I got around to Mr. Robot, and I'm just kind of like, this is... Well, the hype is real for Mr. Robot, Kevin. I was like, yeah, this, this show's kind of shitty. This is you got You have to stick with that show. I swear to God, if Christian Slater turns out to be like a figment of his imagination, I'm going to be pissed. You just got to... fucking pissed. Gotta, you got to stick with it, because if... Like I told you in, on Facebook, the if for no other reason, the cinematography in that Well, that's... Show, right now, because that's really it the, gets. That's it gets better and better and better. The second season, even better than the first as far as 
visuals. Because even it's... like the first episode, I was like, "This is I don't like this show." But the way the the ending was shot, where he's kind of, you know, he gets the job offer, and the way that everything was, you know, framed, it's just like, "Yeah, okay, I'll watch another one." You got. It. <laughs> Uh, while we're talking about TV, I'll just give a quick shout out to, to two shows. One is Atlanta on FX, I the Donald Glover so, show. I'm so excited for that show. It is amazing. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Watch Atlanta. It is so good. Maybe one of the best shows on TV right now. And uh, two is one that everybody's watching. I'm not going to get into it, but Luke Cage, the new Marvel mm. uh, show on Netflix. Uh, it, I think it's interesting how... Daredevil's like a courtroom drama, and uh, Jessica Jones is a detective noir story, and Luke Cage is black exploitation, and it is done in such a respectful and uh, excellent way. Uh, so many references. First of all, every episode is named after. Yeah, that's, a, that's the thing that sold me. Yeah. So there's that, and then the the numerous amounts of references to kind of hip hop culture, like um, Wu Tang, just Wu Tang references. And like he, there's a lot of chess references and a lot of kind of old Kung Fu movie references. And it's just, they do it in such a way that it's, it's not overt. It's not in your face. And also the soundtrack is out of control. It's so good. But anyway, Luke Cage, highly recommend and anybody, anybody that is bitching and moaning about the, the fact that there's not enough white people in that show need to fuck off because that is <laughs> unbelievably yeah, ridiculous. Watch the other like 97 yes. TV shows. Wa- <laughs> watch any other movie you... or any other show that has one black person yeah. in it. And, and I mean, come on now. Bust out, fucking your fucking, ridiculous. bust out your fucking friend's box set and watch that shit instead. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I saw Swiss Army, man. Oh, yeah? Big fan. I liked this way more than I thought it would. Okay. Uh, it is in a time where movies are largely the same. <laughs> Swiss Army Man comes out and it feels so different. And it has such a, like, uh, there were parts of this movie that, that, that had me choked up. I mean, it's it really brought out the feels in me, Uh-oh. this movie. And I did not expect that. It's funny. It's weird. Uh, it's it's very heartfelt, and I just this is probably going to be one of my top movies of the year. It's excellent. Daniel Radcliffe is a corpse. Uh, gets a thumbs up from me. <laughs> I watched. Paul Dan- oh, I thought you were done. I'm sorry. No, I I am done. I was going to say Paul Dan is also really good in it, but yeah, watch Kevin. I think you should see Swiss Army Man. I'll probably check it out before the end of the year. I checked out Sinister Two. Because I was oh, yeah. pleasantly surprised with the first Sinister. I was actually pretty creeped out. Especially just the, you know, the Super 8 footage. That shit just freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. Especially the way in which Sinister starts. I thought that was just such a... That was a that was quite the move. To have the movie start off the way that it does. And I, I was... I did appreciate that Sinister 2 kind of started out the same way. Where it just jumps right into the Super 8 footage. And it's creepy as all hell. And you essentially have three people being burned on crosses. Which mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that's a that's uh that's quite the way to start a film. But uh, everything that's not the Super Eight footage is awful, and it's just really it's some odd choices in this one. 
that you're everyone's... talking about this you're talking about sinister 2 right yeah sinister 2 and it's okay. just really odd choices where like everything that's not the super 8 footage is kind of you know they're kind of having like a goofy time with it because i'm pretty yeah, sure that these, okay. these are the exact comments you made about the first one yeah, yeah probably but i think i maybe like the the ethan hawk stuff a little bit better because it kind of it, it didn't seem as jarring where it was kind of like him investigating and it kind of made sense of why they, he was watching the tapes and everything. Yeah. And he's kind of un, trying to uncover this thing. And here where it's, you know, it's kind of uncovered already and, you know, right, right. deputy so-and-so, we won't even give him a name. Huh? He's kind of like going around trying to, to break the cycle or whatever. But it's just like he's this like goofball guy and there's this like romance budding. And it's just, it just felt really off. Because then you try and, like, bring in the Bagul stuff, and it's just, you know, I mean, his name's Bagul, number one. Mm -hmm. And then you have this kind of tongue-in-cheek, we're having a goofy fun time, and then you just jump into, like, oh, here's this Super 8 home movie where it's an elaborate, like, rat torture thing in a church. It's just, like, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's just too much of a disconnect. Because Mm -hmm. the, the, the home movies were so... They were so elaborate this time around where it didn't feel it didn't creep me out as much because I'm like, okay, they, how in God's name did we get a family strung up upside down, hanging over a, a, a body of water where there's crocodiles? <laughs> like, I mean, this is kind of silly. Yeah. It, it almost sounds like it's, it's heading into Saul territory. Yeah. And but the one thing that I did find interesting, because the first sinister, I was, quite surprised when they used the boards of Canada song and the way in which it worked. Cause I always did have that song always kind of creeped me out just a little bit because mm-hmm. the, the voice counting numbers and stuff just creeped me out. They used it again, which again, it's it, fantastic when put to use, but also to strip the, the voice from that song out of the song and to use it as a ham radio recording as a part of the folklore from like, you know, when he listens to the tape from Scandinavia in like 1994 or whatever. I thought, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Where you actually like take something out of a song. Yeah, it's interesting. Use it in the movie. That was something. I thought that that was kind of, because then that kind of like makes that song even creepier now. Mm-hmm. But that was the only interesting thing, really. Mm. I just don't understand. Like, I don't know why Bagul needs the kids to do if Bagul can just show up and take people why he needs these these kids to do all this work and you know these kids can't do all the work so he's helping them so just kill the whole family like what do you need the kids for just, i want to see the setup i want to see the setup where Bagul's helping the, the children because there's no way these kids are stringing these these adults no, yeah and where do you right. where do kids have time to build these crosses i mean those crosses i had to take how many days to build First, you gotta find the wood. You gotta put them together. You gotta lift them up and set them in the because you gotta at least dig like six feet down in to get that solid or, or cement them. Yeah, you gotta do something because it's gotta hold up a person. Yeah, you know, it's just I don't I don't understand. There's no way he did that in one night. That little that little shithead kid. That's, no a, that's that's horror logic for you, Kevin. It's just I don't understand Bagul. I don't know what Bagul's doing. I don't know what his aim is. His end game. Hmm. I don't. I didn't like Sinister too. I don't know if you could tell that. Uh, yeah, I could tell. Okay. I, I saw The Conjuring too. Okay. So it's it fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I I was a big through, fan. Of, should we go through our list of movies that were fine? I was a big fan of The Conjuring one, and so I was 
for some reason, I did not see this in theaters. It just, I don't know, I did, just didn't get around to it. But uh, watching it at home, uh, there's some some creepy stuff in there, some some nice jump scares. But uh, overall, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's 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 very very much like the first one, uh, as far as you have Ed and Lorraine investigating this uh, this possession slash haunting. And the interestingly, this one actually, because if you remember the first Conjuring, they start with the whole, they start with like a little mini case, you know, to intro you into what's going on. So like in the first one, it was the Annabelle thing, which they later spun off into a, from what I understand, not a very good movie. But um, this one starts off with the Amityville uh, haunting. Mm, Okay. So that that was pretty interesting to to do that. but yeah, there was a, a lot of jump scares in this. Some of them I thought were earned. Some of them were cheap. But just the fact that you know these movies take place in the in the sixties, I think that that does a lot to to help with the atmosphere of this move of these movies. Because other than that, you take the time period out of it, and it's just another supernatural horror movie. That's like uh, it's just the same shit. It's just all these supernatural horror movies are the same shit. And, but one thing that the conjuring has is a, it's supposedly based on a true story, which, you know, that is nothing to me. Every movie could say based on a true story and it would mean, it would literally mean nothing to me, but the, but also the fact that it takes place in, in the sixties. So, you know, that, that that in and of itself, I think is interesting. This one takes place in England in the sixties too. So that's even more interesting. Hmm. Okay. Well, I wasn't a big fan of the country one. I liked it. So I don't think I'll probably be checking out the, the second I, one. You don't, I would, yeah, I would say you don't have to see it. It's not going to bring anything new to the table. Okay. I'm going to run through three real quick. Kind of Do highlights it. here. Hell or High Water. Got to check that out from David McKenzie. Everyone was really high on this one. Yeah, I didn't get a chance year. to see this because it, it came out right before I left. Everyone's super stoked about this movie. I did not like it. I mean, outside of some some night, it has a, the way in which he shoots the opening, the first uh, bank robbery was pretty fantastic. Kind of sets the bar a bit too high, but it's just it, there's these like little bits of or attempts at humor throughout the movie. They just don't work for me at all. Uh, they really bash you over the head with this whole like the banks are robbing people so everything's fine and then also this whole like it's texas like look at these locals they like they inject locals in there to be like to you know drive the point home that it's texas or that you know fuck the banks they screwed us over and it's just a bit much like everywhere that they're driving to there's billboards and shit that are also letting you know that like foreclosures and everything and all banks are terrible it's just it's kind of piss poor really i'm quite surprised that people are really high on this one i'm surprised you didn't like it because a lot of people are really I, high on this one yeah i was i was really excited going in because i thought it would be you know i thought i would like it and like i said the way it opens up i was like oh yeah here we go this is gonna be perfect and then it just it just kind of settles into everything that you've seen before and then it kind of gets like extremely violent at the end and the character motivations like one of the main characters kind of becomes something that doesn't seem it just seems off i just don't see him taking that leap in his character just didn't feel right i think they just kind of did it for the the violent the violence they wanted to inject some more violence in there 
which to me it didn't work. It's unfortunate. But another one from this year that is good is the fits. I was not I was not uh, disappointed with the fits from Anna Rose Homer. This one is quite good. Yeah, I'm gonna watch this uh, before the end of the year for sure. I just uh, haven't gotten around to it yet. Performances are great. Uh, Royalty Hightower, who plays the main girl Tony, who's the you know she's kind of a boxer, and then she kind of gets intrigued by the dance group and ends up joining the dance group and then they have this mysterious fits like fainting spells and seizure type deal thing going on uh she's fantastic in this movie and she's almost her performance is almost like a like a silent film performance and she's quite good i think it's her debut right yeah she does uh she does quite the job of shouldering this movie cinematography is pretty great and the music too the music is not really what i was expecting it's kind of minimalist and just kind of like a like a disquiet to it. It's almost it adds like a an uneasiness throughout the whole movie. trailer. Is I was wondering if the music in the trailer was going to be similar to the actual movie. Yeah, it's kind of kind of quiet and just it, I don't know. It just it unsettles you. you. You know, you just you think things are going to go wrong. There's something's going to happen. Just kind of keeps you on the edge of your seat. Fucks with your nerves a little bit. And then another one is a samurai movie from 1968 called Kill with an exclamation point. Ooh. This is uh, this is from Okamoto, who did uh, The Sword of Doom, which is maybe one of my favorite samurai movies. And this one also has uh, Nakade in it. And But this one, more, he plays more of like a comedic role. Got a little bit of comedy in this one. It's kind of a comedy action samurai movie. Hmm. Uh, it's a bit too long. Spend way too much time with the because it's like this double crossing and betrayal on between samurais and everything. But uh, once they get into like the fighting, oh boy, there's uh, and you could tell that they were trying to like kind of push the envelope a little bit. Like one guy gets cut, and it's like quick cut to like an arm falling to the ground and blood splattering everywhere. And you could tell that they're kind of they're pretty stoked about that. <laughs> <laughs> to put a whole a whole cut scene in there of an arm falling to the ground. And then another time, I think a finger falls to the ground. But nice. uh, yeah, pretty good as far as uh, samurai movies go. I mean, I don't think it's it's not like top of the list as far as samurais go, but it's it's decent. All right. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll just rapid fire these then. Uh, I saw The Handmaiden, directed by Park Chan-wook. Ooh. Uh, excellent. Loved it. I'm sure that we will do a full review uh, okay. for this one when it comes out. So uh, stay tuned for that. But it's it's Park Chan-wook. It's pretty much what you come to expect from this guy because he is an an amazing filmmaker. And this movie is not what I expected. It, it, it When I saw the tra- first of all, the trailers, probably one of the best trailers to come out this year. I don't know if you've seen it. It is, in my opinion, one of the best trailers to be released this year. It's excellent. Uh, but reading the synopsis, I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. I love Park Chan-wook, so of course I'll give it a shot, but not a big fan of period pieces. It didn't seem like it was, it, it seemed like it was more of a drama than, than a, than a thriller or a horror movie or an action movie or any, any kind of genre movie. And I just wasn't sure if I was really going to be into it and uh, it turned out it was and it wasn't ex- it wasn't what I expected at all there's lots of twists and turns and sneaky sneaky doings and uh, it's it's excellent so The Handmaiden keep an eye out for that I saw Mechanic Resurrection this is the Jason Statham one it's garbage uh, 
I don't understand how you can make the first mechanic and it's completely different than this one. Completely different. Uh, the second one is atrocious. It's the most generic Jason Statham action movie you can possibly think of. The only cool scene was the one that they show in the trailer and it's on the poster too when he goes uh, un underneath the pool and, and kills the guy that's swimming in the pool that's overlooking, that's like in a skyscraper. That's the only <laughs> cool scene. Uh, the rest of it is painfully generic. Um, let's see what else. I saw the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix. Okay. It's decent. I don't have a lot to say about it. I would say, I would recommend checking it out, especially if you're, if you remember the, the media hype that was surrounding that, that Amanda Knox situation where she supposedly, she was accused of killing her roommate in Italy. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was really interesting. I, I didn't really follow that really, uh, too much when it was unfolding because I just I think I saw it for what it was which was just you know tabloid-esque uh, bullshit yeah uh, but it's still a really well-made documentary worth checking out uh, I saw Lights Out this is uh, one that I was really this is a horror movie that I was really anticipating um, this year and uh, it did not disappoint it's really solid so it's it's a supernatural horror movie and uh, so you know what to expect it has all those tropes but the interesting kind of gimmick with this one is that the uh, entity in question uh, only shows up when it's dark. So you have to keep the lights on. So it's, it's an interesting little device that they used with it. Um, characters were likable, which is always a big thing for me in horror movies, any horror movie. Uh, if the characters are likable, it gets instant bonus points. Uh, it was well-acted, well-written very uh very creepy a lot of creepy moments in this one uh, i'd say that the jump scares were almost all of them were earned none of them were cheap lazy jump scares pretty much every single one of them was the real deal that's good it's good um that's really that's really it i saw my scientology movie that's not out yet um it's uh, louis the, the latest louis thoreau documentary the, the interesting thing, I, I love Louis Thoreau documentaries, um, and especially the, I think my favorite is still the one when he spent time with the Westboro Baptist Church. It was just funny and sad and enlightening. And uh, My Scientology movie is interesting in that he kind of takes a, a Joshua Oppenheimer approach to it, where he, uh, because he can't get footage inside the church itself, he... Uh, speaks to one of the former members and reenacts things that happened mm -hmm. inside the church. Uh, it, it doesn't work as well as um, the, uh, oh, why is the name escaping me? Uh, uh, the Act of Killing. It doesn't work as well as The Act of Killing, but it's, it's still an interesting watch. Unfortunately, a lot of what's covered here has already been covered in the um, Going Clear documentary. So it's there's not a lot of new information there, but there's some there's some kind of funny and interesting things that happen. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything else? Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Next week we have the accountant coming out. This is the Ben Affleck one. <laughs> I thought this when I, when I saw the trailer for this, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was. This seems like this should be like in a movie. Like as a fake movie within a movie, <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's a, it's an action movie about an accountant. 
Like it's just it's so ridiculous. But he has like Asperger's, I think. <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever seen, I think. Uh, let's make accountants exciting. What are you uh what are you thinking on the uh, the accountant? Uh thirty two. Oh. Alright. Uh I will say fifty eight. Yeah. I hope right. it's I'm kind of rooting for that one. I don't know. Uh, we also have uh, Certain Women comes out. I don't know if that's going to be wide release. Well, we can go ahead and predict it anyway. Uh, let's see. For Certain Women, I'll say 86. I'll say 94. This is the new uh, Kelly Reichardt movie that oh my I'm sure is going to be very well received. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Like, I'm not seeing a whole lot as far as wide release stuff. That Max Steel movie comes out. I, I don't know. I think I that's Max wide Steel release. Already, didn't the Max Steel movie already come out? Or what am I thinking of? Are there like robot fighters? Oh, that's real steel. Okay. There you go. Max Steel is based on the... I think there's an action figure line that's... Uh, well, just to let you, this October, Unleash Your Power. Yeah, I, I saw a trailer for it, and I was like, no. Steel uh, in limited release, we have Christine, which is the... Uh, wow, what's her name? Rebecca Hall plays uh, the... Yeah, uh, Chubbuck. The, the, the news anchor. Chubbuck. I like yeah. how for a second there, I was like, I forget what her first name is. <laughs> and the movie's called Christine, plus the other movie, Kate plays Christine. Yeah. Good work, Kevin. I think it's interesting that that there's two movies about this woman yeah, that came by, out this year. by two indie U.S. filmmakers Yeah, in the same year. And they were playing like the same festivals, too, it seemed like. Very, very odd. Uh, this, is, this one's directed by Antonio Campos, who did Simon Killer, which we were, I think we were pretty big fans of that. I, I liked Simon Killer. Yeah, I liked it. He's an interesting yeah. filmmaker. I don't always like what he does, but he's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing... Christine, I think that it, it's. I mean, it's it's probably going to be one of those. It's probably going to be brutal to watch that movie. But, oh yeah. But uh, I, I, I may I may want to check that out. I uh, saw have, something that was coming out the the that Shin Godzilla movie. Yeah, I was going to mention that. that. I want that in my face. The Shin Godzilla movie. Yes, I want it. I saw the trailer. Did you see the trailer? I haven't yet. It's. Uh, I think they went back to the old man in the suit for that. Awesome. Uh, and it looks really good, though. Like it, it looks like it's going to be really good. So I'm actually pretty excited for that as well. Uh, we also have Tower, which is a documentary about uh, the the sniper shooting that took place at uh, Texas. Um, it was at a university, I believe, University of Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, that one. Uh, it's a documentary, but it's it's reenacted using uh, rotoscope animation. Uh, I'll, I'll be checking that one out too. It looks it looks interesting. Uh, let's see, Little Sister. Uh, that's another one that I'll be checking out. It's a kind of looks like a quirky. I think it's news. What's his news, name? Is it? Zach, Zach Clark. Clark. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm a big fan of Zach Clark. I've I think I've seen all his movies. And I'm a big fan of all all of his movies, and he's he's one of these filmmakers where each one of his movies is a little bit better than the last. And um, yes, yeah, little little sister, I'm very excited for that. So, nice. 
Uh, let's see. Coming Through the Rye. That's a movie about somebody searching for J.D. Salinger. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not a documentary or anything, but I don't know. Uh, Jack Goes Home. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Shadow World. That's a documentary about arms, uh, legal arms arms dealing. I saw it at Tribeca, and I was not very fond of it. Okay. Sky Ladder, that's coming to Netflix. That's a documentary about the guy. Uh, I think he's a Japanese artist who... Chinese. He's oh, Chinese. Sorry. He um, Doped. uses fireworks to create really interesting things. Oh, he does so many fantastic things. The one where it's on the... It looks like it's on a barge, and it looks like it's flow, like sort of yeah. like flowers. Uh-huh. Oh it's just goodness. like, holy shit, how did you make that? Uh, he does so many incredible things. He, uh, one of the, some of my favorite work is, uh, he, he, uh, giant, giant paintings, or at least on canvases where he kind of like spreads out gunpowder in like an elaborate design and then kind mm-hmm. of like dominoes lights it on fire. And then the, like the spark, like leaves an imprint on the canvas. And then, you know, he kind of, that's how, that's, it kind of like burns it into the canvas. It's, uh, it's something. Very cool. Oh man. Check it out. Sky ladder. All right, next week on VOD, on Tuesday, October 11th, we have Blue Jay, which is, uh, I think it's like a, kind of a romance it's with Mark Duplass, and I can't remember who the female lead is on that one. Uh, Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. That's the uh, infamous Fantastic Four movie that I don't think that was ever officially released. No, and we need to stop doing this. We need to <laughs> no, stop these so documentaries many. of like, hey, this is the how, how about a documentary on this failed film production? I'm like, shut up. No one cares. Stop it. There's so many of those. Don't I'll probably this. watch it. <laughs> I, I complain, but I'll probably watch it. I did watch the Raiders, uh, the fan film documentary this week, and it was pretty good. Uh, Pandorica. <laughs> Uh, that that also comes out on Tuesday. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, actually, I do know. It's like a, some kind of Mad Max type Ooh. action sci-fi movie. Uh, it does not look very good. Friday, October 14th, we have Ordinary World, Sky Ladder, which is again on Netflix, and then uh, a horror movie called Rewind that's uh, found footage. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Blu-ray. Get em. This is for Tuesday, October 11th. We have... Um, let's see. Krampus comes out. I, I I don't know if that's some sort of re-release, like a Halloween type re-release, or if it's just now coming out on Blu-ray. I feel like that should have been out already. Yeah. Um, the Ghostbusters, the the new the new Ghostbusters, Bloodfather. That's that Mel Gibson action movie. A lot of horror movies are getting released, obviously, to cash in on the on the Halloween thing. Ice Age Collision Course. That's pretty much it. Legend of Tarzan 3D. <laughs> that just reminds me of something. Uh, Tarzan of Come Jungle. What? <laughs> when she says in the greasy strand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That almost makes me want to bump that up another half star. Uh, the Infiltrator is also coming out, the Brian Cranston one. Mm. What do we have on the old Criterion front next week? We got two. Number one, we got a, an Altman movie, 1971, and that's McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Oh, boy. Watch out. That's actually supposed to be really, really good. I think it's about time I watch that. I do enjoy me some Altman. Uh, and then there's a 
a movie called Boyhood from uh, Richard and Linklater from 2014 that was a huge disappointment. But everyone seemed to be... Uh, I was not disappointed. Really into, really into that one. And for some reason, it's coming out on a Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, Criterion releases all of Linklater stuff on it. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but that's uh, that's there. You can pick I, that I up. I remember Slacker was like one of the early Criterion releases. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I would uh, I would go for the Altman. I think I would... we did a ten out of ten for McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Did we? I think so. It was like really, really early on. I think uh, I think maybe it was Todd that wrote it. You might be right. All right. I think that that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Thank you.